Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Today we've got a special milestone episode, number 200, and I'm going to delve deep into the nitty-gritty of the soul of a hunter and address the question, why do you hunt? Not just for myself, but also for the whole hunting community, and also probably for you as well, you don't wanna miss it. Hey, and welcome to another episode of the New Hunter's Guide, the podcast and YouTube channel, helping new hunters get started and helping active hunters learn new things. I am your host, George Kanitas, and this is a special edition episode, guys, number 200. And as I like to do on these milestones, we are going to delve into what I think is a really interesting, encouraging, informative sort of deep guts of what a hunter is and the heart and the soul and the passion thereof. But first, I need to give some shout outs. All right, this is episode 200. Now, to be fair, it's not really episode 200. It is the formal number episode 200. But if if you've been listening for some time, you know I've got a lot of episode 137.5s. Right, we throw out a special edition episode or an extra or a bonus or an announcement, um, you know, something in addition to the regular weekly Monday release. So, really, we're at more like episode 220 or something like that. But this is the official, planned, scheduled, formal EP200. And this is a milestone. This represents, it is in truth, 200 weeks of the podcast because I've done one episode. The the official number is one per week, right? So episode 200 is week 200. So this thing has been going on for years now, if you're keeping score and really excited about that. We have had over 125,000 downloads or so at this point, have had several great months of 6,000 downloads or above and the show has just been growing and growing and growing year over year. You know, there's ups and downs with every month and certain seasons you get more downloads than others just because people are hunting stuff then. You know, the fall's always the biggest and spring turkey's usually number two. But, you know, anytime every year in the fall we go higher than we did last year and then the lows are still higher than last year's lows. So we've just got great growth year over year. Really excited. Really appreciate you guys. 58 countries have downloaded episodes in the last year. 58 countries. Now, of course, the majority of that is U.S. and Canada. Big shout out to Canada. But there's a lot of folks in Europe, Australia, India, 
countries where you can't even hunt. There, there is no hunting. There, there are several folks that are living, listening and downloading shows from countries where you can't even hunt. Maybe they're planning to go on a hunt to somewhere else and trying to gear up and skill up. Shout out to all you guys. Really appreciate you. Every time I look at the numbers, I'm just like, wow, that's amazing. You know, people over there and there and there. I didn't even know they speak English. And uh, you guys are just tremendous. Really appreciate it. In terms of the U.S., you know, big shout outs to folks listening in Pennsylvania, the number one state, which makes sense because I'm here and a lot of PA hunters want want advice local. You've got a lot of folks listening from Ontario, which is not technically one of the states, but it is number two after Pennsylvania for downloads. A lot of guys in California, Texas, New York, Georgia, Florida, Illinois, Virginia, Tennessee, and uh, just on and on. We've got we've had downloads from every single state in the union, and most of those states continuously from the smallest state to the largest. And um, you know, it's just awesome. This has been a crazy journey to get to this point. Um, I almost stopped doing the show about a year, year and a half ago. Almost quit. Almost just gave it up and decided, you know what? I just can't do it anymore. It's costing too much money. It's, it's just not going anywhere, you know, not getting any response. And then just had tremendous outpouring of support from you guys. The opportunity to to join the Waypoint Network and actually turn this thing from being cash negative to cash neutral and, and even somewhat cash positive which, you know, is a game changer. Anything, anytime something goes from taking money out of your pocket to even putting a few coins back in here and there, you know, that really helps in terms of just making it work and fitting it into the family budget. And uh, just had some tremendous encouragements from some of you guys, especially, you know, Riley in particular, who got me into duck hunting and just brought me into a renaissance period of of reconnecting with the outdoors and and wing shooting and and just experiencing things that I you know had always thought about but never knew how to get into and just launched full out into that adventure it's been amazing and you know there have been a number of organizations over the years particularly over the last year year and a half that have partnered with the show and and just you know help me out and and you know you remember what last spring we had some decoy giveaways from flambo they just sent me boxes of decoys said here give these out to your listeners you know there have been others that have done some things that, that have helped out so really appreciate you know every single person and everyone that's been a part and that's helped out over the years and uh, of course, just recently, I announced, you know, we got accepted into the affiliate programs at Cabela's and Amazon. So anytime somebody goes to the website and they click on any of the gear links that I put now on the sidebar of every episode, whether you buy that piece of gear or whether you buy anything on Amazon, period, or anything on Cabela's, period, after clicking that link, it helps support the show. So, you know, just that's, uh, it, it makes such a difference Anytime you go from revenue negative to revenue positive on an adventure. And of course the YouTube channel, I could go on and on. But that's not what you guys are here. You're here to know about the big question. Why do you hunt? And that's not just a question for me. That's a question for the entire hunting community. That's a question for you and your heart. And, and for you to wrestle with and grapple with and understand and then ultimately embrace to make you stronger and to make you better. So I want to talk about this big question a little bit today. I feel like this is something that is, is often overlooked or marginalized, minimalized, glossed over. People throw up a false answer. You know, why do you hunt? A lot of times today, people don't want to think deep. They don't want to examine what's going on on the inside. 
It's easier just to throw up a token answer and say, well, it's for this reason, and then move on to the next conversation. But I think that when we really look at this, we end up with something that's it's encouraging, it's beautiful, it's rousing, it, it gives me more fire to, to push forward and, and to do new things. So I want to jump into that today and talk about that for a little while. I think it's really going to be something that you enjoy and enjoy thinking about. And after you listen to this episode, you know, pondering about it and thinking about it, and you may want to come back and listen again and all of that. So let's get after it. Why do you hunt? That's the question. Now, there's a lot of answers. There's a lot of things people throw up. And, and, and people hang and wave and say, well, this is the reason. So let's start at the beginning. A lot of people, when they're asked that question, why do you hunt? They hunt, they'll say, for the meat. I'm a meat hunter. I go out to get meat to feed my family. A lot of people will list that as the number one or number two reason as to why they hunt. And I'm going to say, and, and some of you may disagree, but listen till the end first, because you may come around once you hear the rationale. I'm going to say most of the time, that's a false answer. That is not true. Or at least that is maybe partially true, but it is, it is not the big reason or the top two reasons. Most people are not hunting for food. They're not hunting to feed their family. That's just not the case. Now, I've known a lot of people who economically, financially, you know, they, they have, you know, things have been always been tight for them. It's always been a challenge to meet ends meet or, or they've just been, you know, just always been an inch or two above water at all times. And they go out and they hunt. And the reason they say they hunt is to put meat on the table for their family. It's a, it, it, it's almost, it's a survival thing. And, uh, you know, I've heard people say that and guys, I've just, I've just been around this thing long enough. I've just done enough math long enough to know that's just not true. It's not a lie. They, they may not be lying, but it's just not the core reason. They, they may think it is, but it's a fluff reason. Here's why. First of all, if you take a day and go hunting, there's an opportunity cost. Maybe you took a vacation day. Maybe it's a Saturday or whatever day you already have off. There's an opportunity cost there. You could have been working instead of hunting. So if it was about pure food and survival and feeding your family, and you, you, know, you take three, four, five days a season and go hunting, let's just say three as an example, what could you what kind of money could you have made in those 3 days if you were working? You know, even at minimum wage, even at $8 an hour, I know for some of you where you're listening it's more like 15. We'll just say 10 to make the math easy. Say $10 an hour, you worked 8 hours, you could have made $80 that day. 3 days, you could have made what? $240. I'll get this. So the opportunity cost for you to go hunting was $240. Say you shoot a deer. You bring that deer home. You dress it yourself. You cut it up. You do everything. You don't pay a dollar to a butcher or anybody. You're going to get on average. Now in different places, it's different numbers. The size of the deer, male or female. Da -da 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 -da. I know I got it. It's all different across the country and where you hunt and all that, but we're going to say on average 40 pounds of finished meat without bones. Fat and bones gone, about 40 pounds. You know, does are going to be less, bucks are going to be more, but we're just going to use that for an average. I'll even be generous. Let me say 50 pounds. We'll just round it up just to be, you know, just to be generous on this. So you spent $240 on 50 pounds of meat. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. All right, $240 for 50 pounds of meat. That comes out to be, what is that, $4.5 a pound? Or, or $5 a pound. Almost $5 a pound is what it comes out to be. And that's if you spend a, nothing. Well, you can buy meat cheaper than that at the store. Especially if you get it in bulk, especially if you know where to go. You're not going to get filet mignon, but you're going to be able to get meat at that price. I have seen high quality ground meat and chicken and stuff much cheaper than that. So you can you can buy the meat. You can work and buy other meat, chicken, beef, and pork for cheaper than you can hunting. So if you say, well, I'm hunting for survival, well... Okay, that's not usually true. You know, unless you're laid off, you can't get work. You're in a position which in today's economy when this is being recorded is just ridiculous. I uh, it's so hard to find people to work uh, just because there's so many more jobs than there is people at least in my area. I know we've been struggling at our company just to hire people, just to find human beings that will come and work for money. But Nonetheless, there are places I know where it's not like that. And you've got areas and and locations where the job market is bad. I get that. So unless you're in a situation where you can't get work, you can't find work, then, you know, most of the time, if you just work instead of hunt, you can make more money and you can get more food. You know, a, a one in three hunt success rate is pretty good for most folks on public land. Uh, I would take that on public land any day for for any big game season. That would be good results for someone who's really good at hunting, knows where to go, knows what to do, and so on. Uh, however, even with all those variables, it's almost never that cheap, right? I, I have a friend that told me, you know, hunting is the most expensive way I know of to get free food. And that is absolutely the truth. You know, what you spend on gear and firearms and ammunition and practice and testing and from boots to coats to gloves to base layers, even if you buy entry level, just getting started stuff, and of course I've done dozens of episodes on that for almost every kind of hunting season that there is, and you can go back to the archives If you don't know, you can go to the website, newhuntersguide.com, go to the hunting categories page and pick your hunting, deer, turkey, bear, whatever. And then I've got every episode broken down by subject and theme. And so you can find every episode of of these 200 plus that have ever gone out, find what you're interested in quickly and easily and, and see what you need to get. But I've talked about these kind of things at length it is still going to cost you a bunch of money to get even a regular setup. And then very rarely do do, do any hunters have hunting seasons where they don't buy something new. They're not replacing something, you know, especially if you hunt a lot because gear wears out. Nothing lasts forever. So even if you've reached the point where you say, okay, I have all the hunting gear I want and need more or less to hunt this animal. Well, next year, coming around, chances are something's going to need replaced. 
Your boots are going to wear out. Your gloves are going to wear out. Your coat's going to wear out. You're going to tear your pants. Something's going to wear out or need replaced. And don't forget about marketing. They are going to put some really shiny stuff in front of you to try to get your attention every year and get you to buy stuff that you may not need or that's a little bit better than what you have. And chances are you're going to want to buy some of it and you will buy some of it because we're people and we just like stuff that we see. But even if you're very conservative and you only replace stuff that wears out or breaks, even if you buy high quality stuff, you're still regularly replacing something. So there's additional cost. You got to drive to wherever you're hunting. Most people are going to pay a butcher to to help break down the deer or or the bigger than that game and you know get that ready for consumption. So there's lots of other costs. So to say you hunt for food and to feed your family is usually not the real reason. That may be part of the equation. Right? Maybe that helps. Um Maybe that's certainly a significant factor, but if you just want to feed your family and and put food on the table, there are more efficient ways to do it. Hunting is not usually the most efficient way because time is an opportunity cost. Time costs money. And if you take that time and you convert it into money, it will often go further. Now, if you shoot a moose, you know, or something where you're getting tons of meat. Okay, well, that's going to that's gonna change. That's going to go the other way. But for most people, that's not what they're talking about. So then why do you hunt? Let's go one step deeper. A lot of people hunt for better food. They hunt for better food. This is one that is on my list. It ranks. It's not the top reason, but it ranks. And that is, if you're thinking about just meat and calories and survival, hunting's not the the most efficient way. But if you're talking about better food, all right, so venison, for example, in most places, not all, but in most places, venison is going to be the equivalent of a grass-fed, free-range, organic product, all right? In most places, it's going to be very similar to something like that that you might buy at the store. Very lean meat, much healthier than a lot of other options that are out there. Now, in areas where you have huge expanses of ag land and people are growing GMO soybeans and corn and other things and spraying with pesticides constantly and the deer are mostly eating that stuff well no it's it's not gonna it's not gonna be in that same category it's just gonna be like regular meat um you're not getting the benefits or perceived benefits of cleaner more natural organic blah 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 and i am someone who values the higher quality free range organic type stuff because now listen because i think it tastes better almost all the time i think it tastes better and i feel better after eating it sure i care about some of the the other things but my number one and two motivations are i think it tastes better and i feel better i don't mean psychologically i don't mean emotionally I mean, my body feels better. I'm less lethargic, less sluggish. I have more energy when I eat stuff that is more in that category. Now, part of the reason, I think, is because it's leaner most of the time. Even free-range beef is leaner than regular beef, so you've got less fat. Uh, it's That's going to be healthier for most people, so forth and so on. And, and that could be its own episode, but that's not where I'm going here. But you could say, okay, well, you know, what does organic meat cost? Well, if you want to buy organic beef or organic chicken, now venison is cheaper. Now your your dollar per pound equation changes. All of a sudden, venison becomes probably the cheapest way to get organic meat that's out there. Again, assuming that in your area, deer's diet and habits are mostly natural forage and not chemically laden human placed 
food groups that are meant for people. And not trying to go too far down that road, but like I said, this is a motivator for some people. So, you know, if you're looking at organic steaks, okay, well, organic ground beef, I was at the store yesterday, I was looking at it, and at my store, it's one of the closest places to my house, you can get organic ground beef for $7 a pound. Steaks are more like the $15 to $20 a pound for average grade stuff. Um, and then your really nice sort of uh, ribeyes, big, thick, beautiful, you know, fillets that are organic are like ridiculous prices, you know, 25 30 35 40 dollars a pound. So when you start looking at it from that perspective, all of a sudden venison or pretty much any any game meat per pound is going to be a much better deal. You know, you talk about a turkey. Well, if you go out and buy an organic turkey, which come to think of it, I don't recall having ever seen a whole organic turkey. But you're probably going to be more in the hundred or so dollar range for an for a whole organic turkey. You go out into the woods, you take one for the cost of a shell, you process it yourself, you are coming away really far ahead in that equation. And, you know, when it comes to waterfowl and pheasants and things like that, you know, you take a limit of geese in a day, and in Pennsylvania, there are times of the year you can shoot six or eight geese in a day, not the whole season, but there are parts of the season. You could take eight geese. A goose is a big animal. I mean, you can shoot more geese than you can possibly eat as a human being. To the point where you've got to give it away or stop hunting. If you're good at it, if you have a good spot, if you're effective and so on. So if you're looking at it from a quality food standpoint, all right, that could be a significant, real, mathematically sound, logically sound reason to hunt. And for me, that's part of it. I feel like the quality of the food, and I'm not I'm not getting into the weeds on GMO free and this kind of stuff. The food tastes better. And I feel better after eating it. That's my barometer. Marketing, if you've listened to many episodes, you know that my tolerance for marketing is very minimal. What's the bottom line? What happens when I eat it? You know, do I do I feel better as a person? Yeah, well, you know, that's nice, but that's that's not going to move the needle for me. What do you know? Does it taste better? Does it higher quality meat? Does it cook better? Do I feel better after eating it? That's what I'm looking for, and that's one of the reasons that I hunt. Next, some people hunt because they feel closer to being able to control the food chain, they feel closer to their food. That's maybe not the best way to say it, but they want to know where their food's coming from. Uh, you know, there's there's different angles on this. And again, don't want to get too far in the weeds here, but there is a philosophy where, you know, local is better, where knowing where the food came from is better, where cutting out processes and middlemen and things result in safer food. Um, and then there's the other side of the coin where don't trust none of those folks to get me my food and don't know what they're doing to it or putting in it or contaminating it, or bacteria, or bad practices, I want to control it. So, wherever you may be on that spectrum, or, or buy into one or more philosophies, that's a significant motivator for some people. They want to go out and harvest their own meat. They want to know where it came from. They want to know how it was processed. They want to know it hasn't been messed with, tampered with, preservatives, additives, antibiotics, whatever the case may be, they want to be more in control and they want to be closer to the food chain or whatever. I buy into that to a degree. I, I could agree with that. That's not a motivator for me, but I can, I, I can, I, I, I get it. I feel it. I, I could say, yeah, that's, that's not going to get me out of bed to do it, but I agree that I could, I could embrace one or more of those positions to some extent. 
For some people, that's a big motivator. For some people, that may be the number one motivator. Or, now, nah, probably number two. Probably not number one. Let's, let's keep going. We're, 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 every, we're pulling back layers of this onion here. So why do you hunt? For some people, it is the thrill of the chase. All right, it's the thrill of the chase. And this, I think, is one of the first ones that is that can really occupy the number one spot. I think all the ones that I've just talked about, those probably are going to fall into the number two or three spot for most people. Some of them could maybe be a person's number one, but I still think they're going to be in the number two and three slots, and I'm going to tell you why momentarily. But why do you hunt a lot of people? It's the thrill of the chase. It's the thrill of matching wits against an animal on its home turf and and trying to do everything that you can to walk out of the woods with that animal. And it doesn't matter what you're hunting, if it's deer, turkeys, ducks, whatever the case may be, you're trying to beat that animal at its own game. It, there, it's a contest. There's competition. You're competing against yourself is what it really is. Trying to, to, to best these amazing creatures and all of their wariness and their skill and their strategy and all the defenses that God gave them. You're trying to beat them on their turf and walk away, usually with advanced weaponry, but nonetheless, some of them have some weaponry of their own, depending on what you're hunting. And you're trying to to beat these animals and get them out of the woods. Uh, one of the folks that I have a lot of respect for in the YouTube world is Jeff Sturgis. He is a wildlife um, property habitat management consultant. So his full-time job is to go to people's property, and they pay him a bunch of money to come, and to walk the land with them, spend a day or two there, and then give them a plan on how to develop and hunt that property in order to, to be the most successful that they can at deer hunting. And his whole philosophy around deer hunting, he's the kind of guy that has, I mean, has shot hundreds of deer, has walls upon walls of bucks that, you know, most people will never see in their lifetime and hunts in several states and gets lots of tags and all of that. And his philosophy is, look, antler points and count and size and score, that doesn't really matter. What we're what he's looking for and what he he consults people and advises people is your biggest trophy is a mature buck. Because the mature buck doesn't matter what the antlers are. You know, a mature buck is an animal that is developed that is smart, that is strong, that is, he is the number one, play, uh, the, he's got the number one place in the pecking order, he's got his choice of spots and locations, and hiding, and where he can go, and he can push the other deer around, and, and he has learned how to stay alive year after year. The mature buck is the biggest trophy in the woods. I'm giving you his perspective. And, you know, his thought is, you know, mature buck <clears throat> is what you're after. It is the big trophy because it's the hardest deer in the woods to kill. You know, mature buck is going to have respectable antlers. They're going to, that's going to have some mass to them. But what a mature buck is differs everywhere in the country. You know, in places where you have unlimited habitat, no human intervention, abundance of food cover, and all the natural provisions, a mature buck is going to be six or seven years old. That's going to be when they reach that point of dominance in the herd. Um, in areas where hunting pressure is ridiculous, habitat is questionable, a mature buck may be a three-year-old, maybe a two-and-a-half-year-old. That may be the king of the forest in those areas. But in those kind of areas, the younger deer will, to some degree, rise to the equation. I've done a lot of research reading after famed deer biologists like John Azoga and others that, 
you know, these deer, they will fill the void. So even a younger deer put into that sort of a situation will rise to the equation, will take over a position of dominance, will become a leader, and will just by virtue of being the top dog uh, sort of fill that slot and, and be more difficult to kill. There are places where, you know, if you've got six and seven year old deer walking around, you know, you, a lot of those places killing a three year old buck is easy. You could take them any day. You could you could go out and bring one home every day. But in areas of the country where a three year old buck is the king of the forest, to find one is difficult. It is challenging. It is it is, you know, it, it can push you and tax you to the fullest because they've got. The, the the world is their oyster. They're in the top dog seat. They have re risen to that point of leadership and dominance in the herd. They've got first pick of everything. And they grow up faster in terms of maturity to and to a great extent. So wherever you are, the antlers don't really matter. It's what a mature deer is in your area. That's the biggest trophy in, in terms of deer hunting that you can get. And it's the thrill of trying to find that deer that drives a lot of people. Now, for others, this is the thrill of trying to find any deer or any animal. Because where you hunt, I mean, just seeing a deer in a day is a good hunt. Taking any deer over the course of a season is a good season. So there's different degrees. Now I'm going to say different degrees. There's different context. There's... There's different end results, but it's the same motivation. It's the thrill of the chase. You know, turkey hunting is, is big about this. You know, you're, you're doing a lot of things that you can't do in deer hunting when you're hunting turkeys, trying to get inside that turkey's head, persuade him to come over to you, listen to him, trying to figure out what he's saying and what he wants to do and what he's going to do. And, you know, there's a thrill of trying to match wits with and best that animal. Same with duck hunting and everything else. So there's a thrill of the hunt. And, and, and that drives a lot of people. That occupies a lot of people's number one spot. Why do you hunt? Going a little further. There, there is a drive. There is a passion to go outside. To be outdoors. To see things that nobody else sees. To experience things that nobody else experiences. You know, we have an amazing world. Amazing. God has just designed this place with such intricacy and beauty. And on a daily basis, the things that are out there to see and experience are, are just spectacular. And most people never see them. They never experience them. This is one of the big things that drew me into hunting years ago. I've told the story and I'll tell it again. But I was sitting in an office with four gray walls. In the springtime, the sun was shining through the window. And I was just like, man, I need to go outside more. I need a reason to go outside. You know, Other than walking to my car, that was pretty much all I ever did outside. And I just, that was one of the big things that drove me forward towards hunting. And, you know, here's the thing. If I didn't hunt, there's a lot of things I just, I wouldn't do, even though I want to go outside. Hunting gives me the reason to wake up at four in the morning, to pack up a bunch of gear, to drag stuff into the woods, to set up a bunch of fake looking birds floating on a water with wearing waterproof pants and building a, a hide to sit there quietly and completely still when the sun comes up over the water and the rays of light shine through that light misty fog and burn it off and you've got the glimmer of sunshine and sitting there going wow this is one of the most beautiful things I have ever seen and it's there every day but without hunting, I, I wouldn't go see it. I wouldn't put myself there unless there was more going on. And hunting becomes the reason, becomes the tool to go and push 
and see and do and feel and experience and take in all of that splendor and beauty and it just recharges. It just puts something in you. You can tell this is one of my big motivators. Um, it, it just feeds something in you to say, you know, this is just so amazing. Connected to that, one of the reasons people hunt is just the respect and the thrill of the game. And, and I didn't fully understand this until I started having some success bird hunting. You know, I still remember walking out of the woods, carrying my, that, that first wood duck and just looking at it and going, wow, every feather, every color, every shade, the iridescence, the, the feathers on the head and on the neck. And, you know, it just looks like fur and then just the little itty bits of down and just how amazingly intricate these animals are. Some people hunt just to see the animals up close, just to hold them in their hand because they're so beautiful. You know, for some people, you know, just being able to, to grab a deer by the antlers and just look at it up close and examine it is just thrilling. It's just saying, wow, look at these amazing creatures that God made. How privileged am I to be able to touch one with my hand? And that, that can be a big driver, just this huge respect and appreciation for the animals, for the game. And, and I've seen, you know, just so many different things you look at and you're like, wow, you know, you see pictures and you see YouTube videos and you see them at a distance in the woods, but until you're, they're in your hand and you're examining, like, look how God put this thing together. Look how God designed this and created this. And just the structures and the feathers or the skin or the just the way that the joints work. And, you know, they're just amazing creatures. And that can be a big driver for some. For some people, the reason that they hunt is spiritual. And I know a bunch of these can touch into that. But some people, hunting is, you know, they go out into the woods. And for them, that is a more spiritual experience than going to church. And they go out in the woods and that's their prayer time and that's their devotional time and that's when they feel closer to God. And I can relate to that some. Uh, you know, and if you haven't heard me talk about it before, you know, I also am an, an assisting pastor. You know, I've got ministry credentials. Um, you know, I, I, I understand that, that motivation, you know, very well. I, that's not one of my top reasons for going into the woods, though. Um, now, I do have, you know, great moments of thankfulness and appreciation. And there are times where I'm out in the woods and, you know, I will pray and, and I'll be thankful and, and those sorts of things. But when I'm out in the woods, my main focus is usually on the moment. It is on the sounds, the sights, what could be coming from where, what's next, Where's the animal going to come from? You know, what can I do? I'm usually so in that moment that my focus is there. It's not on, you know, I don't sit in the deer blind or in the deer stand or in the duck blind and, you know, just pray for half the day. I would love to say that I'm that spiritual, but, you know, when I'm there, it's like, okay, what is happening? Any moment could be the moment. I'm always ready. And so for me, that's not a huge motivating factor, but it is a consideration. And there have been times, you know, you got a slow day, slow hunt, or just amazing hunt. And, you know, you probably do more praying after a good hunt. But for me, that's not one of the main reasons why I go into the woods, but I could see how it could be. Connected to that, though, part of it I just mentioned a reason why people hunt is because it lets you clear your head. It lets you leave the thoughts and the cares and the routine and everything else behind. And it lets you clear your head. Now, 
people may experience this differently. For me, going into the woods and hunting is not sort of this, okay, empty your mind, reach a point of zen sort of thing. Um, you know, it's not just, okay, I need to clear my head and go hunting. Now, for me, it's more, I'm filling my head with the moment. I am filling my head with what's had to the point. There's no room for anything else. There's no room to be thinking about, well, what about this thing at work? Or what about this thing at the house? Or what about these chores? Or what about doing those dishes? There's no room for any of that. There's no room. I'm in the moment. I am so focused on, okay, is a duck about to fly by? Is a deer about to walk out? Did a turkey just gobble? Should I make a call? Should I make a sound? Should I do an antler rattle? Should should I blow my duck call? Um, you know, should I charge through that brush over there trying to flush a pheasant out? What should I do next? What's happening right now? Any moment could be the moment. So for me... I'm completely able to focus my mind in the here and now and be present. And that's therapeutic. That is, it really is. You're able to just escape. Now, sometimes you got long, slow, rainy days in the deer stand. And you reach a point where you're like, oh, what do I do? This is crazy. Should I really sit out here and keep getting wetter and colder? You know, not every hunt, you're, you, you, you've got that is full of that excitement and that energy, right? There, there are days that are not, but in general, when I'm in the woods, I'm in the woods, I'm focused on the here and now and trying to be. And for me, that's a big one. That is like, you're just able to get everything else out of my mind because I'm filling my mind with this and I don't have room for other things. You know, I don't tend to do a lot of texting and looking stuff up online on my phone while I'm hunting. There are times, like I said, cold, rainy day sitting in the blind. Or or if I go out on an afternoon hunt a couple hours too early and it's just dead and quiet and hot, then I may get bored. But most of the time I'm in the woods, it, it, it is just able to free my mind from everything else and be present and be here and be now. And there, there's a therapeutic nature to that. That could be a lot of people's number one reason why they hunt. For some, why they hunt is others. It is other people. For some, that's their number one thing. It's other people. You know, they go hunting so they can spend time with their dad or with their brother or with their buddies or with their kids or whatever the case may be. People go out and they do it and they work hard at it and they pursue it and they're diligent, but their main motivation is spending time with others. Their main motivation is social, it's relational, and uh, I don't want to put that down at all because in a lot of ways that may be the best reason to go out and hunt. Um, I wish I could say that was my number one reason why I hunt. It's not. To me, I, I feel like a lot of the times I go by myself, I can do better than I can with other people just because I get the, I, I get every shot that happens and you know there's less people to make mistakes or make noise or whatever the case may be. So I am very content for most kinds of hunting flying solo. Duck hunting is one where I feel like it's better with company than it is alone. But for the, every other kind of hunting, except pheasant hunting, I, I like to be with people for pheasant hunting. But you're going out for deer or for turkey or a lot of other things. I feel like I could do better. I've got better chances by myself. And I'm completely content to go out by myself. I, you know, I never sit there and think, oh, I wish I had somebody to go deer hunting with. Now, I thought that my first season or two, but I didn't know what I was doing. I had no idea, didn't know where to go, just clueless trying to figure it out. Then I was like, please, can I find any somebody, anybody to help me and show me and and anything? But you know, as I as I learned and developed, you know, to me it's you know, two thirds of hunting's a solo sport. And I'm fine with that. 
Um, but for some, the number one reason they hunt is others. They hunt because it's the thing they're able to do to spend quality time with other people, to, to be able to build and reinforce relationships, to show their love, to show their care, to experience things together. All those things wrap up and, and their number one motivation is others. Now, before I get to the number one reason, the biggest one, I think the deepest one, I need to mention that there are some bad reasons people hunt. There are. There are bad reasons. Some people hunt. There, It's a competition between other people. They're trying to prove that they're better than somebody. They're trying to prove that they know more, that they're more capable, that they've got more experience, that they can kill more animals, they can get them faster, that they can get bigger ones. It's a bad reason. It's still a reason. It may be someone's number one reason, but they're hunting out of pride. And that's what it is. It's a wrong reason. It's a bad reason. But they're hunting out of pride to, to prove that they're good, that they're capable, that they're better than somebody else. Now, there's two sides of that. You know, I shouldn't, I shouldn't be too negative here because there's two sides. There is the I'm better than you side. But there's also a trying to prove themselves side. They both stem out of pride, right? I would not list either on the good reasons category. One is a definitively bad reason. The other is maybe a misguided one, okay? Hunting to try to show that you're better than somebody is definitively bad. It's the wrong reason to be out there. It's, it's a mistake. Hunting trying to prove yourself to prove that you're able, to prove that you're capable, to prove that you're as good as somebody else. That's legitimate. It's a real feeling. It's, it's something that people experience maybe subconsciously, if not directly. Um, and it's something I have felt in the past myself in my own journey, just trying to, to show I can do it, to just to prove maybe it's to yourself um, and not to others, but when you're trying to prove yourself to others, it's not the best reason. It's not the right reason. It's a misguided reason to be in the woods. Okay. I'm not saying you're a bad person. Um, chances are you don't even realize it at the time or, or it's, it's, it's veiled behind a bunch of other things, but there's, you're trying to, to justify yourself. You're trying to show that you're not inadequate. That's a real reason. And what I would say is that you don't need to do something to prove that you're adequate, to prove that you're able, to prove that you're good enough. That's not something that a, a, a task or an accomplishment can show because anybody could attack it, anybody could tear it down, anybody could make you feel like you're not, um, you know, our worth, our value, our identity should come from God. It should come through our relationship with God, in Him, through Christ. We are the children of God. That is what our identity should be. That is who we should be. Nothing should be able to shake us. Nothing should be able to make us feel inadequate because He's for us. He's able we don't need to prove what we can do here in these limited bodies and, and justify to ourselves that we're something. That's a misguided reason to be out. But it may be real. So I would challenge you, if you feel elements of that, and, and I, I can speak to this and, and sort of divide between some of the details because I have felt that before. I have I have been in seasons where I felt that to some extent, noticed it even, and chewed on it and pondered it. My encouragement would be to you is to reach out and grab hold of some of these better reasons. Embrace those. Don't look for your affirmation and your self-worth based on any accomplishment. In, in your eyes or anyone else's eyes. Because that's a moving target. That's a bar that anyone else can raise. 
and you don't want to be on that path and on that track. There are plenty of other good reasons to hunt, good reasons to be in the woods, that grab hold of those, embrace those, and do not let any achievement stand between you and being adequate, between you and proving yourself. If you go out for the right reasons and you're diligent, you will have achievements. And it will do something for you. It will put something on the inside of you. But it'll be for the right reasons. And not because you were trying to demonstrate that, that you can. Because the, here's the thing, guys. That's not just something related to hunting. That is something that can transfer and will transfer to any and every area of life. Relationship, work, habit, hobby. That is a per, per, just... Uh, a progressive thing that will always be there and you'll always feel inadequate until you do X. And that's just not the right, a healthy place to live your life. So even if you, you accomplish your goal in hunting and, and you get this, or you get that, or you accomplish this and you build that sense of self-worth, the next thing you look at, you're going to have that same feeling of inadequacy until you do it. So you don't want to live there. You don't want to be in that Grab on to the better reasons and don't let that steer you. And, and you can overcome that. Other bad reasons people hunt. Sometimes people hunt to abuse and misuse. They hunt to kill. They just want to kill things. They just want to kill as many deer as they can kill. If it's brown, it's down. Two, three, four, five, ten in a day, great. What do they do with them? Usually nothing. They're just, it's blood sport. And it's not a good reason to be in the woods. Now, I'm thankful I have not seen a whole lot of that. I have not seen a whole lot of that in my life. Uh, I have seen, though, a couple examples of it. I have seen a couple of examples here and there over the years. And, you know, it's it's disgusting. Eh, oftentimes... It's veiled, you know, it's it's not something that people will readily admit, and often the ones that do readily admit it, they're finding themselves, uh, you know, on the receiving end of the game commission ticket, and worse, because stuff like that manifests itself in things that are terrible, and things that are illegal, and it's just not a good reason to go out and do anything. It's unhealthy emotionally, psychologically, it's just not the right reason to be out in the woods to go and, you know, to just to kill to kill is not, it's not righteous. It's not being a good steward of the resources and the animal kingdom that God has entrusted into mankind. It's a breach of our call and purpose. All right. Just killing things to kill them and watch them die and take pleasure in death is it, it, it is a transgression against our calling, commission, charge, and purpose as stewards of this world and the creatures that are in it. And if 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 you're trying to figure out where did I come from with that, come up with that, head back, look at the episode. Is hunting biblical? And I get into lots of detail there. That that's a whole nother thing. So those are some of the bad reasons that people hunt. All right. They're, they're real reasons. They drive people. They'll compel them to go out into the woods, but they're not good or they're not ideal. And you wanna, you don't want to let anything like that steer you. Another reason people do hunt is they want to be different. They want to do things differently from other people. There's a lot of folks that are, you know, young adults, middle age. They, they come from a background, professional background often. They don't know anybody that hunts. And they want to do something different. They want to reach out. They want to pioneer something. They want to do something different than their circle, than their family. They want to get into the woods. And, and they want to, to do something different. And this often ties in, and it goes hand in hand with another reason. But they're often connected they want to do something, uh, what's the word, old-fashioned, 
something maybe a little bit more primal, something that connects them with, you know, how life was hundreds of years ago. These are two different reasons, but I'm saying a lot of the people in the first category, they fall into the second category. It doesn't necessarily go both ways, but they want to get out and they want to they want to experience history. They want to experience you know what life was like before we had this industrial revolution. They want to connect with the roots, maybe something in that area. So either they want to be different or they want to be different in terms of not modern or from the other side there is a historical piece by itself the people want to connect deeper with culture with roots with history and that can be a a real motivation and drive that people hunt all right now the number one reason the biggest reason maybe i'm categorizing that wrong maybe it's not the number one reason but i'm going to say the deepest reason all right. So why do people hunt? The big reason, the deep reason, I'm going to call it just the call of the wild. They don't even know. They just feel drawn. They just feel compelled. They just feel like I need to be out there. I need to be doing this. It's... None of the other reasons quite fit the mold 100%. They can identify with a lot of them, but it's just, it's bigger than that. It's fuzzier than that, but it's strong. It's primal. It's, they feel compelled almost to get out there, to, to be in the woods, to hunt. You know, they may appreciate a half dozen of the different reasons that I've listed here. But there's just like a call. They just got to go. They just got to do it. They just can't feel satisfied. They can't feel at peace unless they get out there to, to, to some degree of frequency and are able to just be out in the woods, be out in the wild. Often these kinds of folks, they need to go deep into the woods. You know, if they can still hear a road, they're not deep enough. They, they need to just push and go further and go deeper and get off the grid and get away from everybody else and just push out into wilder territory and looking for game that other people aren't even going to ever get close enough to to see. And they just feel compelled to get out there and to do it. I can identify with this category some, to some extent. Um... You know, I, I, there are times where I don't even know why I just really want to go. I just really feel compelled to get out there. But people that this is the number one reason that they hunt, you know, they're the kind of person, they're, they'll hunt for 10 days straight if they can. They'll just, and I'm just not in that category. I'm just not, um, you know, one or two days in a row for me is enough. Take a break see my family, get caught up on life, get some sleep, take a couple days, and then go back out and hit it again for a day or two. That's more my pace. That's more what I've found works best for my life, family, work, health, balance. But people that are just, they've got the call of the wild, man, they could just be out there forever. They only come back because they have to, right? They, it's not because they get tired. It's not because they get weary. It's not because... They've had enough. They almost can't get enough. They just feel called to it, just need to do it. They don't care if nobody else is going to go. They're going. And it's just the call of the wild. So like I said, I can appreciate that. I, I have felt pieces of that at times, but but not to the degree that a lot of folks who live in that category. So what are my top reasons personally for me you know, what, what What drives me and compels me to go hunting? Well, that doesn't really matter because it's about you. It's about what drives you. It's about what compels you. It's about what speaks to you. And I'm sure there are other reasons that I didn't think about or, or didn't include in this list. But search out what drives you, what pulls you into the woods. 
What compels you to be out there? For me, a big piece of it is being outside, being outdoors, being in creation, seeing what God made, experiencing what God made. Part of it is the thrill of the chase. And another part of it is the quality of the food and the respect for the animal. Those are probably my, my biggest drivers. Although, as I've mentioned, there are elements of a number of these that I have tasted or identified with at times. You know, there's, there's often not one clear black and white reason this is it. There's usually a combination. But I would say those are my biggest ones at this point where I'm at and just the thrill of it, enjoying it. You know, I like everything about hunting. I enjoy everything about hunting. I enjoy getting ready for a hunt. I enjoy scouting. Not as much as hunting, but I enjoy scouting. I enjoy the gear, the equipment. I enjoy the tools. Just holding them in my hand, just having them, just putting them on, just walking into the woods with the right equipment, with the right gun, with the right ammo. I enjoy practicing. I enjoy researching different things. I mean, I like... I like all the pieces of it before I even go out. I'm enjoying the culture of it. I'm enjoying these podcasts. I'm enjoying these YouTube videos. You know, I'm enjoying all of that comes with and goes around. And and I just like looking at gear. I like looking at gear that I'm not going to buy. I know I'm not going to buy. I don't want to buy it. I look at gear I don't even want just because I'm intrigued. Okay, so how do they make this? How's that put together? What kind of materials are they using? Why is this effective for that? Oh, interesting. I could see why somebody who does this kind of hunting would like that. All of these things intrigue me. They fascinate me. I, I like them. I enjoy the time I spend into it. In fact, I have to personally work diligently to set up guardrails and barriers to not put too much time into it because there are other and more important things in life. And, you know, you got to have a balance. And I did a whole episode on that. You can go back and find that one too. But nonetheless, you know, your reasons and the better you understand your reasons, I think will help you. They'll help you to be a better hunter. They will help you to hunt in ways that you enjoy more. They'll help you to hunt in, in styles and situations and to the, the cadence and the way that you pursue game and the game that you go after. You know, if you're a social hunter, you ought to be hunting waterfowl. You ought to be hunting pheasants. You know, it, it just works better. You ought, That ought to be included and what you do, because those are the easiest and the best things to hunt with people. Whereas, you know, if you're a solo, call of the wild, deep into the woods type person, you ought to be hunting turkeys. I mean, it's it's just one of the best combinations to that philosophy is is you can you can you can you can walk ten miles and shoot a turkey and carrying it back without killing yourself. You can pit your wits and your skills against these birds and and just chase them all over creation. You know, there there are just certain things that lend themselves well to different styles and and different motivations. So you should find what what's a good fit for your motivation, for what drives you, and then embrace that and you will have more fun. You will enjoy it more. So I really appreciate you guys. I hope this is helpful. Till next time, God bless you and go get them in the woods.